I want to, but, all right? We got right into that in the first, uh, first session of it last week. And we're, we're actually in part two of it, so if you're brand new on this, but I promise you will gather something from this message. Um, think about it this way. There are many people, and I believe that, that really would love to be God followers, and that they simply want to believe. It seems as if they've got some kind of, of a God, but, and they want to be able to trust in a God, but they, they have a ceiling or they have a barrier, something that's preventing them from going a little further in the sense of wanting to and, and desiring and go, on, go after. I would argue that these individuals, these types of people are rejecting what we would call or would see God as in a distorted view. In other words, they've been taught uh, differently. They, they, they've been taught a way of God or, or they have uh, maybe made up within their minds a view of God that simply is not true, that simply does not line up with the scriptures. In fact, if you were with us last week, we talked about a God that many people expect to be on demand. Like if I have a need, if I have something right now, I'm going to take it before him and I'm expecting God to answer right now. now. I'm just going to ask you here, let's be transparent. Has anyone ever prayed a prayer like that? Like, Father, I need it like right this moment. Let's be honest. Absolutely. We have. I've done it. I don't know how many times. I'm a pastor and guess what? I still do it. I want you, God, right now. I need you, you need to be that genie in a bottle, so to speak. I need that on-demand God. Well, today, what I want to do is I want to talk about, I want to believe in God, but there are, watch this, just too many rules. There's too many things that, that I have to do in order to live this Christian lifestyle. Some people would say, I want to believe in him, but with all these rules, there doesn't seem to be any benefit from it anyway. Like, like for instance, my life is going just fine the way it is. Why should I follow a God who tells me to do this and tells me to do that or tells me I can't do this or tells me that I can't do that when really things within my life appear to be just what? Fine. What I want to do today is I want to unpack a little bit of truth, and, and I want us to look at what we would consider as the good news of Jesus compared to the bad news of religion, all right? The good news of Jesus compared to the bad news of religion. Now, when I say religion, I'm not talking about a relationship. What I'm talking about is not Christianity, when I say religion, I, I, I'm referring to what would be considered as man-made expectations or rules that we must live by, rules that we have put into place that say, if you don't live this way, then you are not a follower of Christ, rules that really have caused many within the faith to lose faith. And many outside the faith to not even give Jesus an opportunity to move within their lives. Now, let's take, let's take a look here, first of all. 
the bad news about religion. Here's your first spot in your notes. Religion focuses on the external rather than the internal. All right? Now, follow me. Follow me along this message. All right? I got some great points. At least I think I do. If you ever looked at somebody, have you ever said this? Well, you're claiming one thing, but you're living another. We have a word for that person, and that would be called a hypocrite, right? You have actually said that, and, and I'm going to be honest, I hate to bust your bubble, but somebody has probably said that about you. You're claiming one thing, but you're living another. Jesus had some words about that, and he says in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verses 25 through 26, he's, he's talking about the external, and, and, and Jesus said this, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, and, and, and I love it, even, even he says it, what does he say? You hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of what? Greed and self-indulgence. In other words, what he's saying here is you're putting this religious show on on the outside. You're making people believe or appear that you are something that you are not. Let's go on. Verse 26. He says, blind Pharisee, first deal with the inside. Clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean as well. So what does religion do? It focuses on the external and completely ignores the internal. Here's what many people will wrongly assume about God. Let's take the holiness of God and say, here's a holy God, all right, and here's an unholy me. In other words, here's a holy God over here, and here's an unholy what? Me. Sometimes what we try to do is fill that gap with doing things, what we appear to believe is right or wrong, or really what we are trying to do is fulfill man's expectation and what they think a Christ follower looks like versus what the scriptures tell us of what a Christ follower looks like. See, religion will say is unholy people will try to close the gap between a holy God with outward human effort with religious acts. Now, I don't want the religion rules that you might have adopted, but here's what we'll say. I have to go to church, right? Um, I, I've, I've got to give some money to the poor. I must be nice, right? What we'll do is we'll adopt these things and we will say, well, that is what makes you a Christian. Try to follow me here. I'm going to bring this home later and smack you right in the forehead, I promise you. What we do is we try to make ourselves look and appear as we are, as if we are a Christian, by a lot of rules, by a lot of regulations, by a lot of man-made expectations. There are some things I can't do, right? Like, I shouldn't be smoking, I shouldn't be drinking, I shouldn't be chewing, I shouldn't run around on my wife, 
I should what? Give money to the poor. I should go to church. I should be nice. I should not be mean. And you might be thinking in your mind, well, pastor, oh my gosh. Like, you're saying things that we shouldn't be doing, that we should be doing, and things that we shouldn't be doing as if we should be doing them. No, no. There's a difference here. You need to follow. What we have done is created all this expectation that if you do A, B, and C, then you will be able to complete what is a supposedly relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to help you out. Understand something. That is false. That is absolutely false. All right? Let's watch this. Trying to close the gap. Jesus said this. He said, don't be like the Pharisees. Because what they're doing, that's exactly what the Pharisees did. They put on this, watch, big religious show. They'd go out in the street, out into the street corner, and they would pray these loud, boisterous prayers to make themselves appear as if they were holier than what they were, simply so people would see them. And then what they would do, the Pharisees would, would take advantage of the moment and take advantage of the people and do unholy things. Again, Jesus called them out in that. What did he call them? He says this, you are a what? A hypocrite. Now, they're trying to look holy. They wore, the Bible tells us, you look throughout scripture, they wore these big fancy robes. They had tassels. They had all these religious gear. They would take advantage. Now, let me give you a little history lesson that I hope will help bring some understanding of what we're going to get into. In the Old Testament, after Ezra and Nehemiah, here's what happened. The religious leaders looked and said, God's people were breaking the law. And because they broke the law, they were now in bondage. And so what we are going to do is we're going to come up with some new rules simply to make sure that nobody breaks the laws. And by the law, they were speaking of what is in the first five books of the Bible, uh, start, you know, obviously starting with Genesis, and that was called the Torah. And what they were doing is they were trying to protect the Torah. So with these, uh, the, these religious leaders, they came up with over 600 brand new laws that became known as what was called fence laws. These laws were going to protect, like I said just a minute ago, follow me here, follow me, stay on board. Let me, let me reel you back in, all right? Follow me. That would protect the Torah. Now, it was so crazy that they had like 65 different laws when it came to, what, observing the Sabbath. They had all of these laws. Now, understanding, that's a lot of stuff, a lot of things going on. So when you look within the Old Testament, you see a lot of things, a lot of laws. And look, they're good things. Don't get me wrong. They're good things. They are what good people would do within their lives. But how many of you know that there are a lot of good people in this world who are lost? Amen? The only way that we are ever found is through who? Jesus Christ himself. Now, let's go here. Let's look at some more scripture. Matthew chapter 23, verses 3 to 4, says this. Don't follow the examples of the Pharisees, for they don't practice what they teach. What do they do? They crush people with unbearable religious demands, and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Now, I'm just going to... This is one of them questions where you don't answer out loud. Please don't answer it out loud. 
But have you ever thought to yourself, sometimes living this life is a little bit tough? Sometimes living a life for Jesus, sometimes I just don't want to do that. Sometimes I just want to cuss somebody out. You ever thought about that? Okay, somebody actually raised their hand. You weren't supposed to do that. Right? Sometimes I want to, you know, I want to go a little bit, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm tired. Anybody been there? Like, I'm just wore out with all this do's, can'ts, what, you know, shouldn't do, all this stuff. I'm just tired. We've been there. Jesus, he, he points out a very clear picture here and within his words. He says, they crush people with unbearable religious demands, and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Some of you right now, you're thinking, Pastor, I can't believe you're saying this right now. Like, you're telling us that we shouldn't be living these laws. Follow me. We're going to get somewhere. Trust me on this. Here's the good news about Jesus, all right? We're going to plow through some information here in just a minute. And, and again, you got to stick with me. Now let's look over in Romans chapter 3. We're going to look at these three verses. Uh, it's 20 through 23, I believe it is. And it says, the scripture says this. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by what? Help me out there. By what? Works of the law. Rather, I love the rather part, because this is where things change. Like, the atmosphere is now changing. Understand that. Because I promise you, I'm, I'm going to help you guys out. If you think you're going to get to heaven by the way your works are, sorry. That's just simply not going to happen. And I'm going to prove it to you in a story in just a little while. All right? It says, rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Now, apart from the law... The righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to what? All who believe. All right, so here we go. Take a note. Number one, here's what you can't do. You cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. No matter how hard you try, no matter how religious you are, no matter how many good works you do or bad works you avoid, you cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. It's simply impossible. You cannot get to heaven by being great. It's simply impossible. Religion says good works will please God. Scripture teaches us simply that you cannot be good enough to please God. The Bible within James tells us that what the heart is deceptive. If you're relying on your works and your own decision making, I'm going to tell you right now, you're failing. Now, let's take a look. Verse 20 said, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. That means no one. It doesn't matter what kind of church you go to. It doesn't matter how holy you act. How good of a show that you even put on. How hard you try. You will never be good enough to please God. Why in the world did God give us the law if we can't live up to it? Why did God put this in the scriptures in the first place? Why did he allow this? Watch this. Number two. The purpose of the law is to show you you need a savior. That's the purpose of it. 
It's to show you that you are weak. It's to show you that you are failing. It's to show you that you have lack. It's to show you that you have desires that are impure. It's to show you that you are going to let down your spouse. You're going to let down your children. It's to show you where you have a void. And the only way a void can be what? Filled is that you need a Savior. All right, now, let's take a look. Therefore, he says this. Paul said, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. So why is there the law? Watch this. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin, our own sin. In other words, I'm saying, I see because of the law where I am messing up within life. It's not me being obedient to the law that's what's going to get me to heaven. It's that because of the law, I realize that there, this, this is much larger than what I can handle, and I need Jesus. I'm in need of a Savior. Now, if I want to make a lot of people really mad, here's what I'm going to say to you. You are a sinner. In the culture that we live in today, they would be like, don't judge me. You have no right to tell me what I am and what I'm not. I make the choice of what I am and what I'm not. No, 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 no. Listen. Look, I'm a sinner. I'm the chief of sinners. Every day I have to get on my face before the Lord and say, Father, forgive me, repenting of the, maybe the thought I had, the conversation I had, the interactions I have had, the things that I have failed short on. Lord, I am a sinner. Now, you might say, well, I'm not a bad person. Maybe compared to someone else, you're not a bad person. But compared to the standards of God, we all fall incredibly short. The standard of God is so much above our standard. I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be critical. But until you understand that you are a sinner, you will not see your need for a Savior. Until you understand that you are a sinner. You simply will not see the need for a Savior. The good news of the gospel. We're getting to that, all right? There is no person that can perform their way to God because all have sinned and what? Fallen short beneath his standards. Thought number one, we looked at very simple. You cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. Thought number two, we saw the purpose of the law is to show us a need for a savior. But watch this. Thought number three. Being right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. Being right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. I am a sinner. The decisions I make cause me to fall short many, many times. You are a sinner. But because of having a faith in Jesus Christ, we can understand that we are saved. We have been bought with a price that you can never pay because of what? For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever, 
Whosoever believes in him shall have what? Everlasting life. This is what Paul said, verse 22 of Romans chapter 3. He says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to who? All who believe. It doesn't matter how bad your past has been. It doesn't matter how crooked you may have been. The only thing that matters is what your faith in Christ alone. Let me, you guys know the story of Jesus. He's on the cross. There's three of them there. He's in the middle. He's got two criminals on either side. One of the criminals looks at him and begins to hurl insults. Say, you, you, you do all these great things, but what, you can't even save yourself in this moment. Hurling insults. Then you have this other criminal on the other side, and he just says simply, remember me. Remember me. And Jesus does something very crazy. No problem. From this day on, you'll be with me in paradise. The law says this, though. But wait. In order for me to be a Christian, I have to live all these godly ways. I have to obey all these laws. So how could this criminal who was beside Christ, this sinner who was beside Christ in this moment, how in the world is it even possible that Jesus could look at him so confidently and say, oh, no problem. Today you will be with me in paradise. See, the standards in the culture of our world would say, no, 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 that, 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 doesn't, that cannot be. Because, you know what, he, he hasn't done what he's supposed to do. Like, he's not living this out. He didn't fulfill the law. Lord, he has rejected you up into this one moment. How in the world could this one guy, in this, he's not living it out, he's not been obedient. How is it that you're going to remember him in paradise? Because of grace, because of the mercy, because of the love that is unconditional. And in that moment, all he said was, I believe who you are. Remember me. Don't forget about me. And in that moment, everything changed. But see, here, here's, what, here's what I want you to understand. When we have that moment with Jesus, and we come to the spot where we say, you know what, Lord? I, I, I don't understand all of these laws and, and I fail at them every day, and, and I fail at them miserably, but God, all I know is, is literally this. I just, I need you. I need you, right? I can't do this thing on my own. And see, that's the problem for many of us. We're trying to do this thing on our own, according to our own merit, our own works, our own uh, ways of doing life, our own effort. And I can't do this on my own effort. I can only do this because God empowers me through his Holy Spirit. I can only do this by saying, I accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. And then, here's what happens. This is what I love. This is what I love. Everything changes. The moment we accept Christ, everything changes. Our mentality changes. Our thought life begins to change. Our desires begin to change. Instead of seeing what we have to do and what we can't do and what we should do, we start saying, I'm living this. I now have a desire to live this now. It's not about man-made rules. It's not about 600 different rules. You know, Jesus looked, and he was in the temple, and, and, and one of them came up to him, and they said, oh, 
Jesus, Jesus, let me, let me ask you something. He says this. What's the greatest law? Like there's like 600, over 600 of them. He's like, what is the greatest one? And Jesus simply looks at him and says, well, here, try this. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor also. Why did Jesus say that? Why did he say this is the greatest, this is the first law you must do? Because he understands if you will love me, then and only then can you truly begin to live out what was written within the scriptures, within the law. The other day I was, um, I'll be honest, yesterday, I, uh, I, I dropped something off to the, to the pumpkin tour at the elementary school, and, and I was driving back to the house, and it's like a two-minute drive, you know what I mean? But in that moment, I just caught myself, and I said, Father, I, I, I'm hungry, not for food, but I'm hungry for you. I don't say that in a proud moment. Believe me, understand that. I don't say that because of that. I say that because, I, Jesus, I recognize what you did for my life. And I also recognize where I'm failing miserably in life. And I need more of you within my life. I need forgiveness in my life. I need to forgive others around me. I need you to help me with that, God. I, 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 you know, I, I need you to help me with bursts of anger. And, 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 and let's be honest here. Speech, talk. Father, I, 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 need, your, I need you. I'm hungry for you. You know, there was this lady in the scriptures, and uh, she was a prostitute. And, and the men of the village or city, whatever you want to call it, they're, they're dragging her, and they take her to Jesus. And they throw her down. And they're like, oh, she needs to be stoned. She needs to be killed. All these things. And, you know, there's power in silence. It, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, what? One, my, my favorite scripture, you know, be still and know that I'm God, right? So there's, there's, there's power in silence. And, and Jesus in this moment is just real silent. They throw her down and, and uh, just he's there and she's there and she's in her shame. She's in her guilt. She's, she's just, she represents us. A sinful being. She's scarred. A lot of probably mental issues. Probably issues within family. Finding, I mean, so many things going on in this young, young lady's life. And, and Jesus just simply, you know, all these men are all around. Those the men. They're all the judgmental, but yet they're the ones sleeping with her, all right? You like that? That was good. <laughs> Ladies, you should be amening me on that one, all right? And, and he just, he gets down and he just starts writing in the ground. He doesn't say nothing. Nothing profound in that moment. And, and he's just writing their names in the ground, or writing in the ground. And, and, and it's kind of like, well, he looks up at him and says, well, you know, the one who's not sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone. You, you go ahead and throw the first stone. And so he's, he's sitting there and he's writing. And he said, we don't know what he said. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us. Many believe, and you've heard me even say it, and I, I, I kind of lean that way. Uh, maybe he began to write the names of the men who were there and beside it going, this is your sin. This is what you're doing in life. And, and what's remarkable to me is the Bible says that from the old to the young, 
they begin to depart in that moment. How many know that there's wisdom in age, right? These guys were like, I'm getting out of here before he gets to my name. (laughs) I got to get off. I got to get out of here. So, and then he looks up at the lady and he says, well, where's your condemners? And she says, well, there is none. And he simply goes, well, neither do I, neither do I condemn you. Go, sin no more. Go your way. How amazing of a moment that must have been. How, how refreshing of a moment for her. Religious people, you know, would, would what? Throw the stone. They wanted to, to put her away. But Jesus in that moment says, no, 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 no. I forgive you. It's over. See, what's remarkable about it, the, the laws are important. Don't get me wrong. I want you guys to understand that. The laws are extremely important within Scripture. We learn from them. We live by them and through them. But it's so that we understand that we have a need for a Savior. It's to draw us closer to Jesus, to show us where we are failing, to show us where we are falling short. But the only way He can do that is when we come to the spot where we say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my wrongdoing. Forgive me of, of, of all of this just mess within my life that, that I'm allowing myself to continually be entrapped over. It's only by the grace of Jesus. I want you to stay with me this morning. I want to say these couple statements here to you. Religion complicates the laws, but Jesus simplifies them. Religion has always complicated what God made simple. Love God with everything in you. Love him with every ounce of you. Don't let go. Now, I'm, look, it's great to see all of you here today. I love standing up here every week and presenting what I feel is a gospel message. And that's everything centered around Jesus Christ. If you never receive anything else within your life except for Jesus, you received everything that you ever need. Everything that you could ever need. It's about him. It's all about him. You know, this week I can't stop thinking about that criminal on the cross because Watch this. In our minds, we'll, we'll even sit here in settings like this and we'll see somebody getting blessed and we're like, God, how in the world are you blessing them? I've been serving you for like 20 years. They've been serving you for 30 minutes. Get over it. God's doing a work in their life. Get over it. God's doing something brand new. You get over it so he can do it in your life. I sit there and I think about that guy. The way he lived his life. You don't know what his past was. You don't know what his home life was. You, none of us know. We don't know what was going through, what he, why he had to do what he did for what he got caught for. We don't know. The only thing that really matters, though, is when he looked at Jesus and was like, hey, remember me. And, you know, that's all it takes. Jesus, remember me. Remember me right now because life is really difficult, Jesus. Right now I'm going through a struggle. I'm sinning. I, I feel like I'm so far away from you right now. Jesus goes, I'm here. I remember you. I've never forgotten you. You might have forgotten me, but I've never forgotten you. 
My love goes beyond what your understanding can comprehend. I've never allowed you out of the grip of my grace. Jesus says, you know what? You've made so many boundaries, even as, as churches. I got caught up this week, and I, I'll be honest, I don't get caught up in social media. I, I look at it, I'll post pictures of my family, things about the church. I rarely comment on anything. I stay away. And somebody had said something, none of y'all know them, they're way far away from here. And it irked me to no end. Have you ever been there? Like, I could have jumped through that computer and just slapped them. Because I didn't believe that way. Then I had to ask for forgiveness for that too. So. But, but I responded, I said, you know what? Everything that we're talking about here is just denominational barriers. I don't want to get into details on it, but it's denominational barriers. The only thing that truly matters is Jesus himself. That's the only thing I care about. People say, you know what? The Holy Spirit isn't moving in our churches anymore. Are people coming to Jesus? Are people coming to the foot of the cross and saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins? Let me tell you something. That's not because of the laws of man. That's because of the move of the Spirit. So don't chastise another church because they're not believing the way you think they should believe. Go after God. Go after Jesus Christ. Go after the one who died on the cross for your sins, who loves you, who had plans for you even before you were born, conceived. He knew who you would be. He's got a plan for your life. I tell my kids that every, just about every day. I try to remember every day. I'm not gonna lie, sometimes I fail, okay? But before they get off the, off the, uh, out of the vehicle to, to go to school, I'll go, what does God have? And they go, a plan for my life. Remember that. Yeah, you think it's cute. No, I'm, I'm telling you, remember that. God has a plan for your life. Close your eyes, bow your heads. I want to ask this question this morning. I want you to know you can't get to heaven being great. You can only get to heaven because of Jesus. And I want to ask this question today. If you don't know who this Jesus Christ is, your Lord and Savior, if you would be just like that criminal was and say, Lord, remember me, if that's your heart's desire today, Lord, remember me. Or is that lady who was brought before Jesus? He said, where are the ones who condemn you? And he said, she said, well, they're not here. And he said, well, neither do I. If you are here today and you're in this setting, in this moment, and, and, and you've tried to live this life of religion or Christianity by laws rather than relationship, And you realize, I, I, I need to turn that page. Not turning away from the laws because I know that Jesus will take me back to that. But because I need that personal relationship with the Father. If all of that has spoken to you today, and that is you in this room, and you realize you need him as the Lord of your life, I just want you to slip up your hand. I see those hands. I see them. Awesome. I see that hand. Fantastic. Fantastic. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Love it. Wow. Don't tell me the Holy Spirit ain't moving still. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. 
pray this prayer as a church. Lord Jesus, today I commit my life to you. Save me, forgive me. From this day on, I live for you and you alone. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church says, amen. amen. Can we clap our hands? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, here, here's, no, don't leave. Don't, don't leave. I get in the line first. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Kind of. No, I'm just kidding. Look, we have, if you find yourself to the point where you're living your life according to the laws, but not allowing God to speak into your life, we need to, I, I said this about two weeks ago, we need to do a spiritual temperature check. Where am I, Lord? If it's all about the works and not about the relationship, the relationship should be first then everything else follows. And, and, and I would say this, we're all guilty of reversing that so much within our lives. I'm challenging you today. God has challenged us today. Let's flip the script. Let's correct the order. Let's pray this. Father, we love you. We thank you today. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you, Lord, for salvation, most importantly. I thank you, God, for the direction that you're appointing us in. I thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, Jesus, that you looked at that criminal that day and said, you will be with me in paradise from this day forward. I thank you, Lord, that you looked at that adulterous woman and you looked at her and said, neither do I condemn you. Go, sin no more. I thank you, Lord, that you are allowing salvation in the lives of all of us, God. Through repentance, Father, you look at us and go, what? I don't remember that any longer. It's gone. You are made anew. You have been made afresh. Father, I thank you. And God, today we love you. We honor you. You desire it and you deserve it. And Father, we give it to you today. So God, for all of us here today, strengthen us in your scriptures. Strengthen us in your word. Father, Lord, we know, God, that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. As we leave this place today, continue to equip us, God, so that when we go out into this world, Father, we are being a living example. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of this world. We will not be hidden, Father. Father, we thank you. And as the psalmist said, let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen. amen. We love you guys. Amen.